0: This is the Simi Sarah Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. Yeah, let's talk about what's going on out there because things have changed, as they always do at this time of day. Charmaine De Silva, CKNW Assistant News Director, is here to fill us in. Boy, it does seem like there's a lot going on right now, I know.
1: There? Well, you know, we had a long weekend
0: and everybody's this, catching up. This usually happens. It does usually happen. All right, we'll start with a lawsuit. And this one involves the Vancouver Aquarium because, boy, this has really gone on about this film that's out there on the Internet.
1: Yeah, so this film was released uh Late last year, and it received a lot of attention because, as you know, Simi, uh, the Vancouver Aquarium cetacean uh, program has always received attention. There are just some people out there who really strongly believe that whales and dolphins should not be in captivity. And especially after Blackfish, you saw that. Well, the, listen, if SeaWorld is changing, right, it's clear something has to change. Something, something, a lot of people feel that something has to change. And the Vancouver Aquarium, for its part, says, look, like we're not the same as other institutions we do things differently and when this movie came out uh, they were very adamant that it contained a lot of stuff that just was simply not true that they they called it propaganda and you know full of lies um, but I asked uh, the aquarium when the movie came out are, are you planning on suing and they said you know for defamation they indicated that likely not for defamation." However, it turned out the aquarium did file a lawsuit, but it wasn't for defamation, it was for copyright infringement, and so they were hoping to uh, convince YouTube and uh, Vimeo and all these other sort of video services online to pull the website, uh, pull the movie rather. Um, well, finally, uh, the filmmaker, Gary Charbonneau, and the film company that produced the movie Evotion Ocean Films, they've responded to this lawsuit. And basically they say, look, there's nothing here. First of all, for copyright, we're not making money off this. This is not a for-profit movie. Number two, some of the images we used aren't even the aquarium's copyright. They belong to other people. And finally, you know, there's the whole issue of fair dealings. And when we're talking about news and, and some documentaries, um, that follows. Fair, fair falls use
0: out. rule applies. Exactly. Okay, so when does this... This is the response to the lawsuit that the aquarium filed. When does this all have its day in court then? This
1: is going to be a back and forth for a oh. while. So we're going to have to just wait and see what happens. But, um, you know, some, some services have pulled the movie. YouTube hasn't. Uh, they pulled it and then they put it back on saying, look, it doesn't appear. It looks like uh, it doesn't appear to violate our rules for copyright infringement, that there's a reason this movie should be out there. Uh, So we'll wait and see what happens. I know The Aquarium wants an injunction to prevent this movie from being released until this is, or or to continue being out there until uh, this matter is dealt with.
0: You know, you could also make an argument. Vancouver Aquarium is kind of making this worse for themselves because I would not have heard about this movie if not for their efforts to get the movie shut down. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. It's one of those those things, you know... It's like, are you giving them more publicity? Yeah, are you giving them more publicity? But this is a very heated topic and i i'm quite uh, in I was quite interested because the aquarium came out swinging and said, "Look this isn't true in the movie this isn't true uh, it compares us to this organization, and we don't do these things." Well, if a movie's out there and it's claiming all these things that are just not true then sue them. Then sue them from defamation. They didn't do that. They're suing them for copyright. But it's one of those technicalities. Sometimes copyright rules can be stricter than anything else. So I think that may be the strategy that they're using is hey, it's better to try to get this movie out. Right. Okay.
0: Well we will be hearing more about that lawsuit. I am sure. What else is happening right now? We're gonna talk about the increase and it's a pretty big increase in the number of homeless deaths that's coming up next. There's a lot of fear about homelessness. I think there's a lot of prejudice that's still out there about people who are homeless. I think we we need to slowly chip away with with stories about these individuals. Anita uh, Houch was a leader in the community, a sweet, generous woman who spent her whole life trying to help other people and died by that very way, trying to get a blanket and a a jacket for another
1: homeless person.
0: All right, so that is Sean Condon, the executive director of an organization known as Megaphone. And they've put out a report, have they, Charmaine?
1: That's right, Simi. So this is, they do this report. um, This is the second time they've done it where they look at the number of homeless people who have died in this province. And this time around, they found that at least 46 people died in B.C. in 2014, a 70% increase uh, from the year before. And it's fitting that we're talking about this because... This is still an issue uh, that gets so many people up in arms. On one hand, you have people saying, look, the province and levels of government need to do more to help homeless people. And on the other hand, you have, you know, when other levels of government want to do something, you have... Uh, sort of this pushback because it's almost like you want something to be done but you don't want it to be in your own backyard. You don't want it to be inconvenient. You don't want to see it. Um, And so, you know, you heard in the clip right there, Sean Condon says, a lot of people don't want to address this problem because it's sort of out of sight, out of mind.
0: Yeah, that is so true. But that's a pretty high number that they're talking about there. I mean... 46 people. 46 people. A 70% increase from the year before. Was there anything that they were able to put their finger on as to why we would see such an increase like that?
1: No, but you know what? Here's the thing. There... We, don't, we think about homelessness and we think about the impacts on policing and ambulance and all of that. We talk about the costs on these first responders. Um, but it can be a very dangerous situation uh, for a person to live out on the streets. And so, um, you know, they looked at BC Coroner's uh, service reports and, and that's exactly what they found is that it's a dangerous situation, a situation a lot of people don't realize exactly how dangerous it is. Yeah, okay.
0: Well, since we're on the topic of homelessness, then let's give you that update too as well on what's been happening in Maple Ridge where a quality inn that was supposed to be turned into a homeless shelter is no longer going to be. This particular site became a bit of a lightning rod with a lot of protest and that sort of thing going on. There was concern at different levels of government about it. And uh, so basically what I did is said, well, let's go to another scan of the community. All right, so that's Housing Minister Rich Coleman essentially saying it's not going to work out.
1: It's not going to work out because people were protesting like crazy over this proposal Simi, so me uh the the idea was to purchase this existing motel hotel uh for five and a half million dollars turn it into 61 units of low barrier housing and so whenever we say low barrier there are people who get up in arms and say okay so these are people with addiction and mental health problems who might not you know be forced to go cold turkey um and so it scares people in neighborhoods to think okay you know, these people with serious problems uh, are going to be around. But what we're, we're talking about in Maple Ridge is this isn't in a small residential community where all of a sudden you're going to plop 61 units of low barrier housing. This is on lowheed Highway you know and uh, the concerns that people raised were it's right next to a pantry restaurant there's a lot of seniors who like to eat lunch and drink coffee there and they're going to be scared and so the housing minister said you know what right. the the backlash was too much Let's find another site.
0: Right. Well, I had a bunch of emails on this since you joined us a couple of hours ago to talk about this, in fact. Uh, And many of the people who emailed me were ones who were also involved in protesting the project. And uh, Annette, for instance, wrote me to say it was so unsuitable. The location was so unsuitable for those that need help and are drug addicted and or have mental problems and uh there were concerns about the proposed operators of the shelter uh so she said it wasn't about not wanting it in the neighborhood uh, she said it was it, it was just this wasn't the right uh, place I had another person let me just go here uh, Howard's Howard also clarified to talk about where this is there are two daycares nearby and you know behind it is residential so many people are keep saying it's all about the location the location
1: you know what to me though here's the thing right like there's some people out there who believe that all the services for people with problems and ho- like the homeless need to be in one neighborhood like the downtown east side we hear over and over again that that is not uh the the cat the real type of solution that there needs to be services spread out a- and so now yeah the the province is going to look for another location but we're talking about two at least two years for them to figure out a new plan so that means there are 30 people with serious problems now who don't have an yeah. actual home so they're just going to be out on the street likely in your community um what makes you feel safer about that so you know there's pros and cons to both i yeah. get it um but i'd but- like to see where they
0: find the- another place to put this now so we'll keep you updated on- on that. And also making news at this hour, we want to keep this story in the news as well. So the parents of a teen who died in Ministry of Children and Family Development care, they filed a lawsuit now alleging negligence on the part of the government.
1: Yes, that's right, Simi. This is the Nick Lang case. This is the Nick Lang case. And you remember we we heard uh, about um, this story. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was one of, it came in, in the middle of a string of, of deaths of young people who had yeah. been in the care of mini- the Ministry of Children and Family Development. And his family was speaking out saying that this kid just didn't get the support that he needed. And so... Um, now we see this lawsuit saying that, you know what, the government uh, made mistakes, that there were signs that their kid was in trouble and that, you know, people who worked for the government just did not react fast enough.
0: OK, so there's another one to keep an eye on as well. When we come back, we'll talk about what else is happening right now. And you heard it in the breaking news there. The shocking number of tickets issued by the Vancouver Police Department because of distracted driving. We'll have more next. Oh, boy. This is really what's happening right now because we just got the word from the Vancouver Police Department. They been on this campaign for the last month, of course. In the month of March, you've been hearing ICBC, police, BC government all conducting this month-long distracted driving campaign. And, boy, you could say it's been effective, but it's almost, Charmaine-like, sad that it's so effective.
1: Sad that it's so effective that so many people aren't getting the message, Simi. So what we've just learned is that in the month of March... 16, more than 1,600 distracted driving tickets have been issued in Vancouver. Just Vancouver. So the One, Vancouver police.
0: 1,600 tickets. The month isn't even over yet.
1: Yeah. So that's ha- th- that's worrying when you think, you know, we have this conversation. There has been so much attention given to this idea that, you know, don't touch your cell phone. Leave your phone alone while you're driving. It's dangerous. So they've been on this month-long blitz. $1,600 uh, $1, sixteen hundred tickets at $167 is yeah. a ticket. Uh, that's a lot of money for the Vancouver police.
0: You just got to wonder though, like, I mean, given that other story that was in the news recently too, that even though I was away, I was still following along because I couldn't believe it either. The woman with how many tickets, yeah, like 13 or 14, 13, yeah. 14 tickets. And she just keeps getting busted. And it's just the, and I've heard people say that cost of doing business, cost of doing business, right? How do you get the message through to people? What do you do?
1: What do I do in the car? Yeah. So, for our work vehicles, when we're driving, we have the, the cell phone mounted to the to the dash I guess it is and we have hands-free it's very difficult though to resist the urge to to actually touch it it. and I find myself sometimes just not even thinking and going to touch it and being like okay no can't do that Uh, but I do use hands-free in my personal vehicle as well but I find that it's most effective when it's hands-free and I leave my purse in the back seat (laughs) that's what I do I was telling Charmaine, I put my bag in the back seat and I tell you if
0: I I don't know what I would do if I didn't do that, because that Pavlovian instinct mm-hmm. is so strong, even if you hear it buzzing because you've tried to put it on silent, even if, when you hear it ringing, if you hear it ding because you have a message, it is so strong that if it weren't completely out of my reach, even if I reached into the back seat, I don't know, like I can't guarantee right that I wouldn't touch it. So I just won't go there.
1: I think it's funny whenever we talk about distracted driving you always have the people who come out of the woodwork and say well it's not just your cell phone there's so many other ways to be distracted and it's so true but we know that this is a really easy common way that people get distracted so if you know that that's the case you need to take some responsibility at this point and do something to make it difficult. Clearly there were at least 1600 people more than 1600 people who learned the hard way 167 bucks that... OK, here's a question, though, for you, though. You just said it taking responsibility.
0: Yeah. Do you and Frederick? I'm sorry, but I completely disagree with you. He just emailed me and said, yeah, but how many of those tickets were really distracted driving and how many were at a red light? Yeah. That's still distracted That's- driving. You're behind the wheel of the car you your red light. You're still driving. You're not parked. You are still theoretically driving.
1: Let, let, let's it look at let's look at this it this way, Simi. If you are wasted and you sit in your car with the keys in in the ignition and you're not moving, you can be arrested for drunk, drunk driving. driving. If you're at
0: a red light and you're completely drunk and you're behind the wheel of a car, you are drunk driving. Yeah. So I don't buy the argument and Frederick I think maybe maybe embodies what a lot of people do yeah. think well I was stopped at the time no that doesn't mean doesn't anything because you're a delay right it's the processing reaction how many times have you been stuck behind somebody and this happens to me yeah. every day
1: too late they're in starting off when the light yeah. turns green because they're looking down and also then what happens you're startled so you get up and you, you try to move fast but that means you haven't scanned you don't know if there's a pedestrian who's trying to attention. run across the yeah. street you need to you need to be more aware than that so does that surprise you that there were so many tickets? No, it doesn't surprise me. You know, I drive, uh, I drive to to work, uh, and you know, it, it surprises me downtown how many people I see. Who, who make no effort to even conceal it. Like you see people who you know, yeah. they're on their cell phone because they're sort of looking down and they're trying to hide it. And you know what? Okay, oh, I see a
0: ton of people doing that. At
1: every intersection, I could look over and see somebody, somebody. on their phone. I like to
0: stare, though. Yeah. I like to just sit there and stare and see but, if they notice. But some people
1: make no effort. I see <laughs> I people who just have no problem holding it up to their ear. They don't even try to put it on speakerphone. They just, they're not even worried. So you know what? clearly there's people here who have money to burn um you know this is a month-long blitz maybe the vpd needs to keep this up and keep this going and maybe if everybody gets tickets over and over and over again we'll people will learn lots of, well, we'll see about that
0: charmaine thank you that is charmaine de silver from the newsroom this is news talk 980 cknw vancouver's news vancouver's talk